Isn't it funny how we have these things that we call expectations? And uh, we all have them. And we have them for, can I have that piece of paper there real quick, babe? The, the one right there, yeah, with all my notes on it? Yeah, thanks. Okay. <clears throat> Not that I need them. I'm a professional. Uh, <laughs> No, but have, have you ever had that happen to you where you, you, you go to some place and it doesn't have the right, you know, this or the right that? Or maybe it's church, right? Maybe you have a certain expectation. I thought so-and-so was going to, I thought Dr. Rushnick was, I mean, Dr. Fernando was here this week and I got to listen to John or whatever it's, it's going to be. We all have these expectations. And so what I do on Amazon, I don't ever really write a review, but what I do is I use everyone else's review to make my decision. And so uh, I'll go on Amazon and uh, I'll look for whatever it is I'm looking for, and I want to see pretty close to five stars, right? You don't want to get something with one star. And so I'll look on things with, with, that has like a thousand people writing uh, review, which I've never quite understood, like how many people really want to write a review like that, but a thousand. And then, um, and then I'll be like, cool, there's a thousand people. It's almost got five stars. I don't have to worry about anything. But then I do this thing where I'm like, well, what did the person say that did one star on this five-star product? Like maybe, maybe there's some hidden thing I don't know about and uh, I don't want to buy something and then to find out that it actually explodes when you open the package or what have you. And so I, I look at it and, and almost always it's something like this. I ordered this. I paid for same-day delivery. It came the next day. What's so hard to understand about same day, right? And the person probably ordered it like 10 at night, you know, and their expectation is that at 11.59, the UPS guy is going to be like, boom, boom, hey, did you have, you ordered this thing, would you, would you like it? You know, and so we have, have these things, but we do it all the time. We do, we, we, we show up every place with certain expectations, and so we go, I, we were in Portland a couple years ago, and uh, we went to this place for ice cream. Everybody was talking about this place for ice cream. It's called Salt and Straw, okay? And so I, I don't know about you, but an ice cream place named Salt and Straw, I did not have high expectations because I don't really want salt uh, there, and I don't want to eat my ice cream with a straw. So it, it, you know, I, I, I didn't know, but they were swearing up and down. You got to go to this place. You got to go to this place. And so here's, here's where the expectations that they set for me. It's packed. It's always crowded. Sometimes there's a line that goes around the corner and you have to wait an hour. And I'm like, man, okay. And they said, it's a little pricey. Okay. And I'm like, I said, what, what ice cream is worth waiting an hour and paying more than you would at like a 31 flavors. They got 31 flavors there. Like how many more flavors do you need? And so they said, no, no, no. They combine like really bizarre flavors that you wouldn't put together typically. And I'm like, okay. So I wait an hour. It's over, it's overly priced. And they put like coffee and motor oil together. Like I, like why would you do, which is actually the coffee I had this morning. But, uh, so, so I went on Salt and Straw. They have one in Los Angeles, too, if you'd like to wait an hour and, 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 and have uh, expensive ice cream where they put things. Here's what they put together. This is on their menu on the website this week. Rhubarb crumble with toasted 
Anise, anise. My point. <laughs> no, no, it's anise. <laughs> like, okay. <laughs> Still don't know. Is that a dirt? Like, what is that? Okay, whatever. Anyway, wild flower honey with ricotta walnut lace cookies. It has cookies in there. I'm, we're getting somewhere. Uh, and this is one of my favorites. Coava coffee and Kokanu croquet. Croque? It's C-R-A-Q-U-E. Cracka. Cracku. Coava coffee and Kokana cracku. Crack you. That's what it is. Okay. So that's what, the, that's what they're putting together. So our weight, overly priced, crack you, okay? <laughs> like, we put that together. So we go, okay? And I'm like, whatever, you know, I'll, I'll be a good sport. Well, that didn't sound like a good sport at all, but I went, and uh, we waited in line, and the wait was only 40 minutes. And it wasn't actually as expensive as I thought it would be, and the ice cream was amazing. It was so good, right? So see what, see what happened? Now, if I went to an ice cream place and they said the wait was going to be five minutes and it was 40 minutes, I would have, it would have ruined my entire time there because my expectations were set to have it be overpriced, wacky flavors, and, and I have to wait an hour. And so my expectations were actually, I, it was kind of good to have expectations that were negative. Okay? Now, here's the thing. We're talking about ice cream. What happens when you have relationships and in those relationships you have certain expectations? Because we all do. When you're dating and things are going fantastic... And I'm sure they are. And you're going out to nice restaurants and you're dressing awesome. And you have the expectation that when you get married, this will continue like that. Then all of a sudden, after a couple months, your husband, you know, wakes up and is like, you know, what's for dinner or whatever. And you're like, excuse me? <laughs> right? Because you brought expectations into that marriage. Same with, I'm, I'm not picking on the ladies, but... Uh, Men are the same way. You have these expectations that you bring into relationships. And here's what I will bet you. I will bet you that the source of most of the conflict in your relationships is because an expectation you had was not met. You expected they'd pick up after themselves. You expected they would show up on time. You expected that they would be organized. You expected that they would treat you well all the time. You'd expect uh, these different things. And as it turns out, as the marriage continues, uh, things begin to change because your expectations aren't being met. And here's what you're going to want to do. You're going to want to leave. In any relationship, not just marriage, in any other relationship, when your expectations aren't being met, you are going to want to jet the other way. This happens in friendships. You've been friends with somebody for a very long time. And they uh, all of a sudden, they stopped calling. And you say to yourself, man, a good friend calls me once a week. That's my expectation. I call them once a week. My expectation is that they would call me once a week. And when they don't, your feelings get hurt. And you want to jet the other way and say, I'll teach them a lesson. And so 
unexpressed or unverbalized expectations can be very, very damaging to a relationship. I'll give you just a quick little example. So um, I, I used to shave with my shave, my, I used to shave every day. Every day I would shave. I don't any, so much anymore. Uh, now I have an electric razor in my car. And so I'm just like, Wah! I mean, not that speeding, but I'll just be like driving and shaving. It's fantastic. But back in the day, I used to keep my razor and my shaving cream on the counter. And this went on for years. And then one day, my lovely wife explains to me, why don't I pick up? my razor and my shaving cream, why do, why do I leave it for her to pick it up? And my thinking was, why does she keep putting my razor and my shaving cream away? <laughs> I need it the next day. It doesn't have to go anywhere. I'm going to use it again, right? And so we're, we're going on our merry way. We're happily married still, okay? But, but until I heard from her that what I was saying to her when I kept my stuff out on the counter was, you pick it up. I'm too busy. That's not what I was saying. What I was saying was, was keep it right there. Going to need it tomorrow. Okay? And so, and what Lisa was expressing to me was, okay, fine. You know, and she, does, she has a wonderful thing. But until that was expressed, now guess what I do? I put it away every day. Because it means a lot to her. And that's the kind of person I am. But... <laughs> She had expectations that I knew nothing about. I had no clue. And until she lovingly and caringly expressed those to me in just the sweetest of ways, I wouldn't have known. And could you imagine every day I just like wake up and offend her? That's horrible. Listen, we do this to each other all the time where we have these expectations that we don't verbalize and we let it build and build and build and build. And in reality, neither person really wanted to do any damage to the other person. So what do we do? How do we handle this? Well, what I want to do this morning is look at something that... um, uh, a, a, a situation Jesus and the disciples were in. And then what we're going to do is look at his example of what do we do in our lives? How do we manage our lives in a way where we are not controlled by our expectations? Where we are not um, maybe shackled by our expectations. That we'll get into a place in our lives where we're able to let those things go. So I hope that makes sense. Um, So let's look at uh, Matthew chapter 16, uh, verse 13. Jesus is traveling all over the place. His ministry is cranking. It's doing really good. And... uh, and he's healing people, and he's teaching, and um, his rabbi school is like the hottest rabbi school of all the rabbi schools, and that's making all the other Pharisee rabbi schools upset with Jesus, and so they're trying to trick him, and they're trying to trap him, and they're trying to, uh, you know, make him mess up, and so they're traveling through this region called Caesarea Philippi, and he asked his disciples, Who do people say the Son of Man is? Now, the Son of Man is just a term that Jesus uses to uh, identify himself. So, Son of God, Son of Man, Messiah, that that type of language, what we'd call messianic language. Uh, Jesus will refer to himself in these terms. 
And so he wants to know from his disciples, maybe I could rephrase this, what do you think people's expectations are of me? Who do they think I am? Because if you think of Jesus a certain way, as a certain identity, then you're going to want him to perform or function according to who that is. So if, if, if I tell you uh, I'm the CEO of a major corporation, you will, just by, that, just by that thing, you'll have certain expectations of how I act, how smart I am. Maybe, maybe you think, maybe depending on where you're at, you think I'm greedy all of a sudden, or you think, you know, what, what have you. But that, that's it. So he says, what are people's expectations? Who do they say that I am? What, what are they attributing to my identity? What expectations could they be having? And so they replied, some say John the Baptist, which is humorous because John the Baptist was dead by this time. So it's like some think that John the Baptist, he was beheaded, um, came back and it's you, which is weird because Jesus and John the Baptist were there at the same time the whole time. So uh, that's weird. Some say Elijah and still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And so Basically what they're saying to Jesus is there's a lot of people that think a lot of things about you. I would venture to say that in our world today and even in this church and in your community, there are lots of things people have attributed to Jesus. A lot of identities, a lot of, shall we say, expectations. And then Jesus asked the most important question and the question that I think is most important for all of us in this room today. He looks at him and he says this. But what about you? He asked. Who do you say that I am? And so I would, I would pause there for just a little bit and ask this question. What expectations do you have on Jesus? How do you expect Jesus to perform for you? How do you see Jesus? How do you see God? Who do you say God is? What expectations do you place on God? I was talking to somebody yesterday, a homeless gentleman, displaced, and um, we were talking, and he he said, um, I have to be honest. I spend a lot of time talking to God. And I'm like, oh, that's fantastic. And he says, and it's not really good stuff that I'm saying. I'm like, oh, well, I'm going to step over here right now. No, I'm just kidding. He said, I'm really angry. And so he's, he starts talking about his life and talking about the hardships that he's gone through. And the sub-narrative is, my expectation is that God would not allow me to go through this hardship. Now you can see just how having that expectation can really mess you up. And some of you might be here right now because you had that expectation and you went through a difficult time and you didn't think it was fair and you ran from God and now you're coming back to say, okay, I'm going to give him one more shot. Well, who do you say that he is? How is he supposed to perform, if you will? What are your expectations about God? So this gentleman talked about his expectations And as I matched it up with scripture, it didn't really match up with scripture. And so I didn't beat him up or say, where'd you get that? That's not even in the Bible. I just lovingly, as best I could, just tried to guide him towards, you know, what if God was with you that whole time? 
Because the expectation I can have about God is he'll never leave me or forsake me. He might allow me to go through difficulty, but he's with me the whole time. See, that's an entirely different expectation. And you can imagine how that would change your perspective on who God is and what you believe about him. And so Jesus asked the question, who do you say that I am? Well, Simon Peter answers, you're the Messiah, the son of the living God. That's an incredible statement that Peter just said. Now, you have to understand what Peter said and what he meant are two different things. When we see the word Messiah, we, because we've this, we, we come past this and we have lots of theological thought that has gone into this before, we think of our personal Savior, our, um, I'm a sinner and I need a Savior in order to connect back with God, and Jesus was the sacrifice, and that's all true. But to the, these disciples, Messiah meant restoring Israel to the place God had them, his people, that he would be their God and they would be his people. And so the Messiah was going to lead the nation into that. The Messiah was going to lead it. That was the expectation. When Peter said, you are the Messiah, the son of the living God, what he was saying was, you are our leader. We will get rid of the Romans and you will bring uh, Israel back to its rightful place. God's people and God's nation. Jesus says this uh, to, uh, to Peter. He replies, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah, for this was not revealed to you by flesh and blood, but by my Father in heaven. So Peter has this revelation of who Jesus is. And yet, he's missing it the whole time because of his expectations. What happens when God doesn't meet your expectations? What do you do with that? What do you do when you have a tragedy? What do you do when somebody in your family has a disease? What do you do when uh, the stock market crashes? What do you do when um, the expectations you had for yourself? We'd own a house by now. I'd be retired by now. Our kids would all be uh, graduated from Yale by now, okay? Like all these different expectations. And on Mother's Day, moms deal with this a lot of just the expectations. And I'm not saying that all moms and dads are the same, but um, moms just seem to carry more of the burden than dads, in my humble opinion. Okay? And maybe I'm just projecting because, like, Lisa will say something like, oh, I'm so nervous about child X. Okay? And, uh, and I'll be like, ah, it'll be fine. <laughs> you know, uh, everything will be fine. I love my kids just as much, but I mean, that, that's just the, the thing. But they, they carry that on. They have so many expectations for h- how the kids are going to turn out and all this and that. And that's a, it's, a big, it's a big burden. And if you've had kids, you understand that, what that, that burden is. He says, you, you, this has been revealed to you, but what are you going to do now that you know I'm the Messiah? What expectations are you placing on me? And then he goes on, Jesus goes on and says, I tell you that you are Peter. And on this rock, this Petra, I will build my church and the gates of Hades will not overcome it. So Jesus is feeding the narrative of nothing's going to stop. This is the, the kingdom is coming and nothing's going to stop it, not even the gates of hell. And so Peter's probably like, this is perfect. I, was, I have this great revelation. He's probably looking at the other disciples if he's a typical dude. And was like, yeah, did you hear that? I'm blessed. 
I, I got a revelation from God. Happens all the time. Go sit down over there. I'm going to talk to Jesus. Right? And so he says, it's all this language. Watch it. Then he, he takes it one step further. I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. This very militant, very powerful language. And so Peter, I would imagine, would be having at this point, having all his expectations met. And he's happy. Except you and I know that's not why Jesus was there. That's not who Jesus was. That's not who Jesus is. And he ordered his disciples not to tell anyone he was the Messiah. So now they have to keep a secret. Now watch this. Jesus, this is the very next verse. Jesus knows what their expectations were. Jesus had already heard it. When, when you enter your kingdom, can I sit on your right and your left? He'd already talked to the disciples about that. He knew what was going on. He knew their zealous spirit and where they, what they felt about Israel. And how they were in an occupied territory. And so Jesus, next verse, from that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. That was not (laughs) the expectation. When Jesus said, follow me, to all those different disciples, he was saying something to them and they immediately could try to figure out what does it really mean to follow Jesus? Are we going to be on the winning side? Are we, is Jesus going to take us? And then when, when they, he started healing and doing all this stuff, they realized this is it. He's the Messiah. He's going to bring healing and shalom back to Israel. And this is it. And all of a sudden Jesus says this, Following me looks a little bit different than what you first thought. Your expectations may not be met as you follow Jesus. So let me ask you the question again. Are you meet, is God meeting your expectations? Maybe you thought when you started following Jesus, your life would turn around. Your finances would turn around. Your marriage would turn around. Maybe you thought... Jesus was going to fix some things. Maybe you thought if you did a whole bunch of good stuff, like you were really, 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 really good, God would heal somebody in your family. And you've been really, really, really good. And God's not meeting your expectations. So Peter takes him aside and began to rebuke him, which I just, I don't know why Jesus didn't just bam, you know, he's got all the, like, he began to rebuke Jesus. Like, just as a side note, and this is totally free, I, 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 I wouldn't do that, okay? He's more powerful than you. Never, Lord, he said, this shall never happen to you. This is not in the plans. I didn't follow you for this. When you said follow me, I thought you said we we're going to become fishers of men. I didn't really know what that meant at the time, but it sounded cool. And so I was really for it. Now you say you're going to die? No, never. And so Jesus, and remember where we are right now. Jesus had just said, who who am I? You're the Messiah, the Son of the living God. Oh, blessed. You're awesome. Yes. 
God, is, God gave you that revelation. Everything, oh man, awesome. The, you're going to start this thing called the gathering. It's, we'll call it the church. And, 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 and it's going to be awesome. And the gates of hell will not prevail against it. It's going to be fantastic. And now, three verses later, Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> Talk about not having your expectations met, right? Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind, this is tough, the concerns of God, but merely human concerns. I could almost say this. You do not have in mind the concerns of God, but merely, merely human expectations. Merely human expectations. And so Jesus says this, and this is the key, and we'll wrap this into our relationships in a second. Jesus said to his disciples, whoever wants to be my disciple must deny themselves and take up their cross and follow me. Jesus has shifted from come and follow to come and die. That maybe, maybe one of the keys to letting each other off the hook with our expectations is that we, in fact, are dying to our expectations. Maybe one of the ways that we can not have expectations damage our relationships is to die to those expectations, to, to say, you know what, I'm a follower of Christ. No matter what happens, no matter how people offend me, no matter how much people don't perform the way I had expected them to, no matter what happens, I'm going to follow Jesus. I'm going to die to myself. I'm going to set down my expectations. I'm going to take up my cross, and I'm going to follow his example. He says... Whoever wants to save their life will lose it. But whoever loses their life for me will find it. This is Jesus' call. And it's, it'll be interesting this week as you head into places and you go, man, I was offended by that person or that really bothers me. I would ask you to take just a few steps back and go, what were your expectations? What were you expecting them to do? What was, it? was it something unspoken that they don't have any clue? Was it something like, or did they just fail you? What are you going to do with that? What are you going to do with that? What would Jesus have you do? He's not coming to rescue you from that. What is he, he going to have you do? Well, take up your cross. Well, what does that look like? Well, like I said in the beginning, I wanted to show you uh, Jesus's, this story, and then look at how Jesus modeled this. And this is crazy stuff. It's, it's the Passover meal, and Jesus is about ready to die, and he knows this. And so he's in the upper room with his disciples. Now, I want you to just, if you can for a second, place yourself in Jesus' shoes or maybe somebody's shoes close to you or whatever. Um, this is what we would call a bad day. <laughs> Jesus is about to have a really bad day. He's about ready to be arrested, uh, tortured, crucified. Okay, so you can see the mindset should be self-centered. It should be like, hey, this is my last day. By the way, if, it's, if today's my last day, you guys are going to do something nice for me. 
I don't know what it is. I'll think about it. But, uh, but Jesus, you could understand him going, look, I only have a couple more days left. Uh, Peter, you know, go down and get, get me one of those big hamburgers. That, you know, whatever, whatever it is, you know, kind of last request. And so here's what the Bible says. This is so amazing. The evening meal was in progress, and the devil had already prompted Judas, uh, the son of Simon Iscariot, to betray Jesus. Jesus knew that the Father had put all things under his power and that he had come from God and was returning to God. So Jesus, get his mindset. He understands he's the most powerful human being on the planet, the most important human being on the planet, the most innocent human being on the planet, and is going to die unjustly. That's where his mental space is. So you would think... That his perspective would be, I deserve. Because oftentimes what our expectations really house is, I deserve. I want you to perform because I deserve you to perform the way I expect you to perform. We do this with our kids. We do it with our uh, um, co-workers. We do it with everybody. I expect you to perform a certain way because I deserve this. So you'd think Jesus goes, well... Today's the day I'm going to die. I've been totally innocent. I'm God. I mean, I'm kind of important. And here's what he does. He knows this. He knows that the Father has put all things under his power. He knows that he had come from God. He knows that he's going to die and return to God. So he got up from the meal, took off his outer clothing, and wrapped a towel around his waist. After that, he poured water in a basin and began... To wash his disciples' feet. This is the example of what to do when your expectations are not met. <laughs> you say, well, what, what's my expectation of Jesus? Who, who do I think God is? What, where is he here and there? This is the example. What would he have me do? He'd have you serve. He'd have you lay down your life. You say, but that's not fair. Jesus was the example of what's not fair and how to respond. Jesus is bringing freedom right now. It seems like he's asking us to do something impossible. I would never wash so-and-so's feet or do this. And again, that's just a term. Don't walk into work tomorrow and like go into your boss's office and go, hey, take off your shoes, man. I really like to do Don't do that. That's creepy. All right. It's just a term. What does it look like for you to serve? What does it look like for you to lay down your life? What does it look like for you to go, you know what? Right now, I deserve you to perform a certain way, but I'm going to let you off the hook. I'm going to become a servant. Now, again, I feel like I do this every time, and I, I know you know this, but it doesn't mean that you're just a doormat or that you can, uh, handle, you know, that you can have physical abuse or uh, uh, you know, verbal abuse. You know, you're supposed to just be abused Okay, it's not like that. We set healthy boundaries. That's what we do. But that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about when your expectations are not met. Can you say, okay, you know what? I, I'm not, I'm not going to cause a big deal. I'm going to serve. Now watch what he says. When he had finished washing your feet, he put on his clothes and returned to his place. Do you understand what I've done for you? He asked them. 
Now, Peter was already saying, I, you can't wash my feet. I'm, I, I don't want you to wash my feet. I, you know, I don't deserve it. And Jesus said, listen, if you don't get this thing down, you have no part of me. And then Peter says, you know, not, not just my feet, but my head and my hands and my whole body. To which Jesus was like, no, I'm just doing feet this stuff, okay? So just s- s- simmer down, Peter, all right? It's like, so, but he says, do you understand what I've done for him? You know what, you know what he did for them? He, he, he let their shackles go. What he said, what he did for us when he washed the disciples' feet was he said, you don't need to carry the burden of having people meet your expectations anymore. You're free to go. <laughs> you don't have to worry about, is it fair? You don't have to worry about, is, is it? And now imagine, imagine what our relationships would look like if we took Jesus' advice and we said, you know what? They're not meeting my expectations, and that's okay. I'm, I'm going to have Jesus take care of that. I'm not going to worry about that. He says, you call me teacher and Lord, and rightly so, for that is what I am. Now that I, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also should wash one another's feet. I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. This is Jesus' example. You don't need to worry about people meeting your expectations any longer. You can serve. Now, as I mentioned before, one of the healthy things to do is to actually verbalize your expectations. You know, we see this sometimes in employment where a person gets fired and they say, well, you, you know, you got fired because you haven't, you know, you've been late every day this week. And they had no idea that if you're two minutes late every day for the whole week that you could get fired. That was never verbalized to them. So it's very important to be able to verbalize what you expect. Sometimes in verbalizing it, saying it out loud, you realize, well, that's a stupid expectation to have for people. Right? You know, I expect that you'll never get angry. Like, that's impossible. Right? And so just verbalizing those things. So here's the question I have for you this morning. Do you want God to meet your expectations? Or do you want to meet God? In other words, do you want God to perform your certain way? And, ha- and, have, and have him fix everything for you. Have him do everything. Have him restore whatever you want him to restore. Or do you want to meet him for who he really is? And so instead of him fixing everything, maybe he's just with you. Instead of him having the circumstance change, maybe it, you just experience the peace that surpasses all comprehension. Instead of somebody fixing what they did wrong to you, you have this overwhelming ability to forgive. Do you want God to meet your expectations? I don't think God should be performing this way. Or do you want to meet actual God? Here's what I found in my own life as Adra comes up. Oftentimes, I don't know why, but I meet God best when he hasn't met my expectations. I've found that when my expectations are met, I actually am not that grateful And we're all this way in all our relationships. If you do what I expect you to do, I'm not like thankful for that. You did did what I expected you to do. 
But when you do something in, in an arena of my life where I didn't expect that at all, there's a sense of gratitude. This is what happens with God. It's the same thing. That when we see who God for who he really is, in the midst of somebody not meeting our expectations, in the midst of us not, not having our needs met, if you will, we experience God in a really wonderful way. I know more about who God is because of my difficulty than I do about my life going great. Do you want God to meet your expectations or do you want to meet God? God. 